We are the family of God. Striving to be with we are people of more. Ready to receive our King blessing. Oh, 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 Christ our Lord. We are people of more. And the lost we stole Oh, 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 yeah For Christ our Lord Tell everyone we are people of more Oh, yeah, oh, we are people of more Tell them we gonna learn more We grow stronger, grow stronger than we did before It's a blessing to be with you all today, uh, where we begin a new sermon series. This sermon series is entitled Christianity 101. If you see, uh, it doesn't show very well there, but that's a chalkboard background because this sermon series is going to be one that is about teaching. One that is about teaching. Uh, we, I, I believe that we fed our spirit on last week. He heard about the, the prodigal love of the Father and how he's so willing to pour out everything that he has on us as his children. Amen. But this week, I want to go back to the basics. As we as Christians, we need to be reminded at times of things that we know. Right? Quote, know. We need to be reminded of these things that we quote unquote know, reminded of these things that uh, we don't think about very often, but things that we ought to keep present at the front of our hearts so that we can explain the reason why we have, why we have hope, why we believe in God. Because sometimes there's, there comes times in our lives to where, I just thank you right there. We're going to get a big old line to go on this side. 
But sometimes there comes these, these times in our lives where people ask us, why do you believe in God? And our answers are lacking. And so this, this, this series of sermons in the month of June is going to be about how to answer that question, how to teach one who is not familiar with Christianity, because I want to let you know that Christianity is, is uh, in this country at least, it's fading. It's waning. And we have people who believe in all kinds of things, things that have nothing to do with God. There are people who, who, who pray and worship through crystals that they put outside on their patios. Right? Um, there are people, especially African Americans, who have left Christianity because they say that it's the oppressor's religion. And they've gone to things like the Nation of Islam, the, the Hebrew Israelite movement, which in essence are hateful movements, and they become what they despise, and they become racist as they worship in different ways. There are people who would call God Allah. And, and I want to let you know that Allah is just another word for God. It's just another word for God, but it can't be the same God. Because the God that we serve wants to be in relationship with us, and the God of Islam he thinks that created people should not be with him. And he doesn't seek to be in relationship with creation. You see, that's where our God differs. You can, you can use the word Allah, that point, this Arabic word that points to God, but it's not the same God because that God doesn't love the same as Yahweh God. There are people who would say that there are, there are, there, there, there are religions to where um, uh, you have Presbyterianism, right? You have uh, Buddhists, you have Jehovah's Witness, Christianity, simply taking advantage of the sacrifices of Jesus Christ. Nothing else added on top of it, nothing more. Christianity is simply taking advantage of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the plan of God. I don't seek to look down on or, or poo-poo on anybody else's things, but I just want to point out what I know to be true, what I know to be life-saving and soul-saving, and that is Christianity. So we begin at the beginning. We begin, we begin with the problem of sin. The problem of sin. You see, sin is a problem for every last one of us. There's not one person who exists in this world, in this life, who is going to leave this world without sin. I'm going to run that back by you. There is not one person existing in this world. There is not one adult that exists in this world who is living without sin. All right. And that's a problem. That's a problem, especially because we don't have the answer to sin. I want to start off by telling you about a story. There was a young lady. She's in college, and she's doing well for herself. She's making great grades. She's on the dean's list. She works hard when she's not in school. She makes a living for herself. She's doing everything the right way, but the only thing that's holding her back is that she doesn't have transportation. And so it's hard for her to make it to class on time. It's hard for her to make it to work on time. She just needed a break. 
and she's scrolling through her social media pages. She's seeing, she's seeing this beautiful vehicle. Right? Vehicle is a Rolls Royce boat tail. That's the car Jay Z and Beyonce just bought. Twenty-eight million dollar car. Twenty-eight million dollars. Beautiful vehicle. A work of art. And she's like, man, I really wish that I could have that. That would be nice. Right? And so it just so happens she's at work and she's taking out the trash. And she goes to the dumpster. And she throws the bag into the dumpster. And it moves around everything inside of the dumpster. And guess what she finds inside the dumpster? Not a car. She finds a genie lamp. You didn't see that one coming, did you? She finds a genie lamp and she rubs the lamp and, the, and, and guess what? A genie comes out. And she says, I know what time it is. I have three wishes. And he says, hold up. I'm a Hill Country Fair genie. I only do one. All right? He's a generic genie. All right? She has one wish. And she goes to this genie and she's thinking, she says, well, I really do need a car. And the genie says, Poof, abracadabra, there's a Honda Civic there and he's holding the keys. He said, is this what you want? Then he shows her another car. Boom, the Rolls Royce boat tail. Or is this what you want? And she thinks about it for a while. Oh, man, she's thinking, she's thinking. She says, give me the boat tail. Give me the Rolls Royce boat tail, $28 million car. And he says, your wish is granted. And she gets inside of the car, and she's admiring the interior and looking at the, the nice wheels. The whole car is just all blued out. Then she realizes she doesn't have a key. So she's just stuck there with the car. And she can't drive. She can't start. The genie tricked her. The genie held the keys to the Honda Civic as he showed her the car. But she missed out on the fact that he didn't show her keys. He didn't show her button to start the car for the $28 million car. So here she is with a $28 million car sitting in the parking lot of her job. Now, I think this is what happens with seeing. It causes us to miss out on blessings because we chase after wants instead of chasing after needs. And it's a problem that I want to discuss today because I believe that all of us get caught in the cycle of chasing after wants instead of needs. And when we do so, we miss out on the need that is God. We miss out on the need that is Jesus Christ because when Chase after the things that we want. Guess what? It's only good here in this finite world. But we're all headed to an eternal afterlife. The first thing that I want you to understand, when we talk about the problem of sin, the first thing that I need you to understand is that God does love me. Because there's a lot of people who would believe about themselves that they are no good, can't get right, God doesn't want me type individuals. Yeah. 
And there are many people who will co-sign the thoughts that you think within yourself. And what we need to go before we begin, we need to understand that God loves us. Now pull your Bibles out. I asked everybody to bring your Bibles today because as we go into the series, not every one of these things are going to be uh, on the screen for us. I want you guys to open your Bibles and see this for yourself. The first scripture that we have, I want you to see as the creation event happens. Genesis chapter 20, or chapter 1, verse 21 through 25. The Bible says, so God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind in with, with which the water swarm and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 22 says, God blessed them, saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas. Let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. Now, bring your minds back. Now, act as if you've never heard of this creation event before. I want to tell you what happens. Now, close your eyes, everybody. Even if you're online, close your eyes for a moment or cover the screen with your hands. Now, imagine darkness. All right? Imagine darkness. Nothing present. The Spirit of God. Whatever the Spirit of God looks like in your heart, imagine that. It's hovering over the waters. All right? Nothing there, no light, no landform, no animals. And God speaks creation into being. He makes land. He tells the sea, the ocean, the rivers, go this far, but don't go past this point. Land arises. Can you see it? Land comes, mountains come. Then God places fish in the sea. Then God places cattle on the land. Then God places birds in the air. Now open your eyes. And then what happens is, what God has just done is, he's taken something that was unorganized, and he's brought order to it. If you will notice, when God creates everything, he doesn't first say, okay, let's have fish and let's have cattle before there's land. Because cattle don't do too well in oceans. Fish don't do too well on land and mountains. But God brings order to where there is chaos. And when he creates these things, after every time he creates something, he says that it's what? It's, it's good, right? He creates it and he says that it's good. Now, drop down to Genesis uh, chapter 1, or go back up to uh, chapter 1, verse 24. Verse 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle, and creeping things, and wild animals, and of the earth every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind, and the cattle of every kind, and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 26. Then God said, let us make what? Let us make man, or let us make humankind. In our image. We see a lot of things that are, it's, it's a lot of teaching here in this, in this first part of verse 26. You see the hour, which speaks to God not being alone, right? You see that we are created in the image of God. We're able to create life. We're able to have dominion, right? And God said, 
Let us make humankind in our own image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, chapter 2 of Genesis tells another creation event, right? But do you see what God does here? He says, here's how I want the world to be organized. I want human beings to be created in my likeness, right? That doesn't mean that God has hands, fingers, toes, eyebrows. It means that we can do some of what God can do. We can create life. We can make our own decisions, right? God said, I want human beings to have dominion over creation. What that means is, what that means is, creation can't have dominion over us. And if you really think about it, and if you really simplify this thing, that's what sin is. Sin is whenever created things have dominion over us. Think about this for a moment. We think about, we'll, we'll, we'll start off with the, the sin that everybody despises in churches, right? We'll bring this sin up. We'll talk about homosexuality. It is going against the natural sexual affections of what God has set into place. And it's saying, this is what the homosexual says, this is what the LBGT community will say. I will rather let Another human being's flesh have dominion over me than God. I would rather obey me than obey God when it comes to who I love and who I have relations with sexually. Amen. Now we can all say amen to that. But what about the sin of gluttony? When food has dominion over us. Or when we gossip and our mouth has dominion over us. Or we choose to say words that we shouldn't say. Our mouth has dominion over us. What about those things? What about when our desire to hurt someone physically? That's our bodies having dominion over us. Right? But God created things. He said human beings need to have dominion over created things. This is what is good. This is what God created the world to be. Amen. But something happened, right? Now, God, he looked at everything in verse number 31 of chapter one. God saw everything that he made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Now, I need you to see that other people see that God loves them, too. Look at what the psalmist says in Psalm 139, verse 14. It says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If you came in here this morning thinking that you were less than, I need you to understand that God loves you. He loves you so much. There is no one like you and God loves you for you. Before you were formed in the wombs of your mother, God loved you. Before the foundations of the earth, God loved you. Before you were a man, before you were a woman, before you were black, white, Asian, Pacific, Hispanic, whatever. God loved you before all of that. 
He loved you while you were in your sin. And so he sent your son. God loves you. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that in your Bible next to these verses. God loves me. He does. You are valuable. If we look at this next psalm, uh, or this next verse here, Romans 5, 8, proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still living in our sins, Romans 5, verse number 8, while we were still sinners, that means God loves us in our fallen state so much so that he sent his son to experience what we deserve. So I want you to say this with me. Can you say this? I want you to repeat after me. If you are online, type this whole thing in. Wait till I show the whole thing. Type it all in. I want you to say, God loves me. I want you to say, I am valued by God. The last thing I want you to say is, God wants to be in relationship with me. He wants to be next to you. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to be your father. He wants to guide you. He wants to love on you. He wants to save you. He wants to be with you for an eternity. That's a different type of love because there comes points and times in our lives to where we don't want to be around the people that we do say we love. You know that's the truth. When you get those kids to go and you're so glad when school starts back up, you got to go leave the house to go pick up random things at the store so you get away from your spouse for a second. Man caves and she sheds. That's what that is. But God said, I want to be around you forever. I want to be in relationship with you forever. So you have to ask yourself then, what in the world happened? What happened to where this relationship that God wants the most powerful being in existence, what happens to where when God wants a relationship and it can't exist? It happened with the first sin. It happened with the first sin. Turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3 with me. Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. Read this text in its entirety. The Bible says, and I'll be reading from the NRSV version. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God say, you shall not eat from any tree in the garden? Did God say that? Let's look at this. I want to set the picture for you. Adam and Eve exist in the garden. The first two people ever created in this perfect created order that God has made. This is the way God made things to be. God intended for human beings to exist in relationship with him he's there in the garden with them later on we're going to find out that they can hear when he comes and he's in their presence and he's having conversations 
with them. But it begins here at the beginning. It says, now the serpent was more crafty. Now, take out of your mind what you think you know about this. Just, just, just separate the fact that the serpent may or may not be Satan. Just understand that this is a created thing. And the Bible explains this created thing as being crafty, as being skillful, right? Having wiles about him. And this isn't a bad quality, because if you look at Job and you look at the Psalms, there are good things about being crafty. Jesus tells us to be that way. But this serpent was more crafty than any other wild animal that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, he said to the woman, did God say, you shall not eat from any tree in the garden. This you that the serpent puts out there. I want you to also hear this too. This you that the serpent uses a plural form of you. What do we use as a plural form of you in Texas? Y'all. So when we see this right here, what the serpent is really saying is, did God say y'all shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? So we know that it isn't just Eve that he's talking to right here. Who also is there with him? And he ain't living up to his standards. The serpent is speaking to both of them, right? But he says, Did God say y'all shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? This serpent is so crafty. Go turn your Bibles back. Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. I told you I was going to be using your Bible today. Genesis 2, 17. Genesis 2, 17. What does the Bible say there? Brother Roe, you have your uh, mic there. What does the Bible say there? But, but of the tree of the knowledge. Uh, but of the tree of knowledge. Of good and evil. Of good and evil. Thou should not eat of it. Uh-huh. For in the day, for in the day that thou eatest, that there, thou eatest thereof, uh -huh. thou shalt surely die. Now jump up to sixteen, because I need I need everybody to see this. And the Lord God, and this God giving a command. What did He say? And the Lord God, go ahead, commanded the man, uh -huh. saying, uh -huh. of every tree uh -huh. of the garden, uh -huh. thou mayest freely eat. Now what is saying right here? God says before He talks about those two trees in the middle of the garden says you can eat from any tree but those two trees in the middle of the garden you cannot eat but look at what the serpent does here the serpent starts off by saying did God say you shall not eat from any tree in the garden this is what the serpent does he created doubt okay this is where sin starts when you begin to think that you know better than God does, that's doubt. And there's a lack of trust. And if you don't know by now, adults especially, if you don't know by now, if you don't have trust in a relationship, it ain't going to last long. And so he asked this question to both of them, and he says, does God say that you can't eat from any tree in the garden, right? And then he's speaking to both of them, but Eve speaks up. <laughs> Let that simmer in your spirit. 
the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, nor shall you touch it or you shall die. Brother O, do you see anything about touching in chapter two? Does anybody see anything about touching in chapter 2, 16 and 17? We don't see that, right? We don't see anything about touching anything in there. But that doubt is created by the serpent and she begins to think on this thing. He's crafty. And he asks if God prohibited them from eating any tree. I want you to know, church, when doubt creeps in between you and God, that's when real problems begin. Doubt is the antithesis to faith. Doubt is the opposite of faith. Doubt is the skinny to the fat. Doubt is the fast to the slow. It's the exact opposite of what it should be. Eve's response is a good response. If you don't touch it, then you can't eat it, obviously, unless somebody's feeding it to her, right? So her response isn't bad, but there is a seed of doubt that is planted by the serpent. Now, as we look at verse number four, let's look at this. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die. The doubt is already there. And now the serpent is trying to see. The enemy of God, the enemy of humanity is trying to see, are they going to take a bite before they take a bite? Because that's all it takes is for you to take a bite before you take a bite. Do y'all get what I'm saying? All it takes for you to say, you know, I wonder if what God is saying does not apply to me. I wonder if I just engage in this activity that God said that I shouldn't do, if I can get away with it. I wonder if I do it, will I have time to ask for forgiveness tomorrow? Right? But the serpent said to the woman, you will not die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God. Do y'all remember that whenever God created mankind, he said, let us make man in our. They're already like God. But the serpent is saying there's more to being God than being God. And he says, your eyes will be open. Your eyes going to be open. He didn't lie about that part. Look at this last part. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Hmm. You will be like God, knowing good and evil. Is there anything wrong with knowing good and evil? Is there anything wrong? If you're online, is there anything wrong with knowing good and evil? Type yes or no in the chat. Is there anything wrong with knowing good and evil? No. There is nothing no. wrong with knowing good and evil. Nothing at all. There's nothing wrong with knowing good and evil. Is there anything wrong with driving a car? Two people said no. Is there anything wrong with driving a car? There's absolutely nothing wrong with driving a car. Is there something wrong with the five-year-old driving a car? There's a problem there. Because it's not yet time for the person to be driving a car if they're only five years old. You see, they weren't ready for knowledge and evil. They weren't ready for the knowledge of good and evil. Right. Right. And if you look at this pattern, Satan does the same thing with Jesus. 
Satan does the same thing with Jesus. Let me show you. Turn your Bibles over to Luke. I didn't put it up here, so you're going to have to find it. Luke chapter 4. I want y'all to use your Bibles. Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. How many readers do I have out there? Luke chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. And the devil. And the devil. Taking him up. Now, this is Jesus whenever he goes into the wilderness. Wait, say amen if you're there. Say, hold on if you're still turning, because we're going to wait for you. I need you to read this. All right. Let me paint the picture while you're turning. This is Jesus as he's getting ready for his ministry. Jesus hasn't gone out to the world yet. And so he goes out to the wilderness to be tested and tempted, right? Adam and Eve are tested in the garden. And so Satan, he asks him these questions and he asks him to do things that he knows that he's not supposed to do. And watch what happens in the case of Jesus. Say amen if you're there. Say hold on if you're not. All right, everybody there. Go ahead, Brother Roe. And the devil. And the devil. Taking him up into a high mountain. He took Jesus up into a high mountain. Showed unto him. He showed him what? All the kingdoms. He showed him all the kingdoms. Of the world. Uh Uh-huh, come on. In a moment of time. Uh Uh-huh. And the devil. And the devil. Said unto him. Uh Uh-huh. All this power Go ahead and read. Go will ahead and read. I give thee uh-huh. and the glory of them. Uh-huh. For that is delivered uh-huh. unto me uh-huh. and to whomsoever I will give it. The devil says to Jesus, takes him up on the mountain. He says, I will give you every kingdom, all the power, all the glory. He says this to Jesus. What does Jesus say? If thou therefore will worship me uh-huh. and shall be, be thine. Uh-huh. And Jesus answered, and said unto him, right? get thee behind me. He says, get behind me, Satan. Satan. He says, get lost, right? For it is not saying it's get lost, right? Now, I have to ask you this next question. Is there anything wrong with Jesus being Lord of Lords, King of Kings? No. But it wasn't his time yet. He had not gone to the cross. He hadn't obeyed his father yet. Are y'all getting this? It wasn't yet Adam and Eve's time to know about good and evil. All right. Kids, I'm sure you will understand this because this is what you're going to go through. You're going to believe that it's time for you to experience some things. Your parents are going to tell you, no, not yet. Okay. You're going to think for sure that you are ready to do this thing that you know and your friends know that you're ready to do. And your parents are going to tell you, no, not yet. The schoolhouse is going to tell you, right? Wait or or be safe, right? Be safe as you engage in sexual relations before marriage. Your parents and God are telling you, to wait all right amen Amen. there's a time and there's a place for those things right a lot of us fail that test yes but we're telling you because we got an f and we don't want you to get the f too amen Amen. if you pass god bless you but they're not ready for this knowledge of good and evil yet and i'll show you why 
I'll show you why in a second here. So as we proceed in Genesis chapter three, verse number six, the Bible says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to her eyes and that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate and she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he said, no, I can't do this because God's no, he didn't say that. And he ate it. Eve saw that the tree was good for food. She saw that it was a delight to the eyes. She saw it was desirable to make one wise. Let me see. Y'all need to see this. This is what I saw as I'm reading this. She saw that it was good for food when she had every other food exist in existence in the garden. There was oranges there. I'm just supposing that there was oranges there. Oranges are good. There were apples there of every variety, probably. She chose to eat of the fruit that she shouldn't have ate of. What about pomegranates? And she said, this looks good to eat. She saw there was a delight to the eyes. It looked good to her. All those other brightly colored fruits didn't look good. This is what we do, though. God will say, this is what's for you. This is what I say is okay for you. And it's a blessing to you because I gave it to you. You say, you know what, God? I don't want what you gave. I want this other thing. I want the $28 million car instead of the Honda Civic that drives. And she saw that it was desired to make one wise. She had the presence of God in the garden with her. She didn't have to be wise if she can walk next to God. She's in the garden. Just imagine she's out and she's, she's, she's picking fruit. God, when is it time for this to be picked? She doesn't have to open an encyclopedia. She doesn't have to Google anything. She doesn't have to say, hey, Google. All she had to say was, hey, God. And we look at this and we say, shame on Eve when we hold in our hands the word of God, the answer to all questions in life. And yet we say, Ayala's got it all figured out. Oprah's got it all figured out. Steve Harvey's got it all figured out. Why not listen to them? All right. Hmm. She desired, she saw that the fruit was good, and then Adam, it's a sorry case there. He just said, okay. Okay, George. Right? She just holds it out and eat. Yeah. Adam, Adam, Adam. She was created from Adam. He said, have dominion over me, Eve. Have dominion over me. And so they take a bite of this. And the Bible says in verse number seven that both of their eyes were open and they knew that they were naked. And so this is their solution. They sew fig leaves together and make loincloths for themselves. This is why we shouldn't go about our life doing what we think is okay because our solutions are not as good as God's solutions. I'm going to tell you right now, if any of you come in here with leaves covering your body, we are going to send you to the mental health hospital because leaves are not good clothing. 
There was all kinds of animals out there. Why didn't they make any leather pants? They could have been dressed like Eddie on Delirious. Right? But they chose to make their clothing out of leaves. This is what this is what we do when we choose to figure out things for ourselves. We make fig leaf garments and they don't last. Can you imagine? Why would you do that? You can't even sit on the ground with fig leaf clothes. Or you go to sleep, bugs beating ate your clothes. Right? But this was their solution. And that's what our solutions look like when we choose not to choose God. Y'all see that? And so, they're in the garden, and they hear God. They're in the garden, they hear God. Here's, here's where the problem of sin, right? Sin changes our relationship with God, and here's why. Verse number eight, they hear the sound of the Lord walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife, they did what? They hid themselves. They hid themselves. They heard the sound of God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, and he said to him, Where are you? Do y'all think God doesn't know where they are? They hear God and they go hide. I want to let you know, when your heart tells you to run away from God and godly things and godly people, you're in a bad state. When your heart tells you, when your mind tells you, when your body, your, whatever you want to call a chakra or whatever, when your body tells you that godly people I need to stay away from, there's a problem that exists there. You are in danger. And if you stay in that state, I want you to see they started off just running from God and they are going to continually get worse in a short amount of time because of this thing called sin. Sin is when we miss the mark. God set a standard. God said you have everything in this garden that you can ever need. Every animal that exists, every plant that exists, exists here. Just don't go to this tree. Just don't go to this tree. Sin is when we miss the mark. God set a mark. They missed it on purpose. And so they go to hide. When God's presence, when they hear God's presence, they go hide. Just like people will go and they will hide from the body of Christ because those people are too godly for me to be around. If I go, they're going to know. They're going to smell the sin. Sin will lie to you. And then you'll begin lying to yourself and avoiding God. Mm -hmm. But God comes. He already knows what happened. He saw everything that happened. What he says, where are you? Because where they were supposed to be was with him. When I come into the garden, you're usually here with me. You were supposed to be with me. Why are you running away from me? If you look at chapter 2, 
in the end of chapter 1 as well, it talks about how God created human beings. He formed them. Formed them. That's an intimate thing to form something. We've, we've played with Play-Doh and clay. When you form things, you use your hand, you take your time, you mold things the way you want them to be. Why are they hiding their nakedness from God when he formed their bodies? Do you see how sin will have you doing awkward things? Verse number 10 says, he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. You see, they're just in their infancy stage of knowing God because they st he still doesn't realize you can't hide from God. So did that tree really give them knowledge? Nope. Didn't really give them the knowledge that they needed. I hid myself. And so he says, God says, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? God knows. He knows who told them. He knows what they did. And what does the man do? The man said, it was the woman that you gave to be with me. She gave me fruit from the tree and I ate. And then the Lord said to the woman, what is this that you have done? And so what does the woman say? It was the serpent that tricked me and I ate. Sin changes our relationship with God. Sin changes our relationship with God. I want you to see this. Let's drop down to verse number 22. I want to tell you what happens after that. God punishes them. Right? They got continually bad because they went from first hiding to God to then lying to God. It wasn't because of the woman. You did what you did because you wanted to. It wasn't because of the serpent. You did what you did because you wanted to. But now... They're lying to God. Adam is blaming God because he said, it was the woman you gave me. All right. And they're getting worse and worse. Verse 22, the Bible says, then the Lord God said, see, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat it and live forever. How many of you of your Bibles have a period at the end of that statement? Anybody's Bible have a period at the end? If it does, you need to get rid of that Bible. <laughs> this is an incomplete thought from God. God says, they've already eaten of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which made them like us, which they weren't ready to be exactly like us yet. Now, if they go eat of the tree of life and live forever in this fallen state, God is like, I can't stand for this to happen. Because I love them. I want to be with them. If they go take of the tree of life and live forever. God says, I don't want that to be the case. I don't want humanity to be lost forever. So he does something. God says, I have to do for them what they can't do for themselves. Therefore, God, he sent them forth from the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim 
and a sword flaming and turning to guard the way to the tree of life. God says, I don't want you to be here and get a hold to this tree because it won't be good. Knowing good and evil was not the problem, but doing so without godly guidance was. This, this incomplete sentence shows how eager, God is, how eager God is to be in a loving relationship with his creation. God did not leave them hanging, though. Turn your Bibles uh, to verse number 21. Genesis 3, 21. Turn there. Brother Roe, read that one. Unto Adam. Look at what God does for them. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Also, and to his wife. Also, to Adam and to his wife. This is what God did. Did the Lord God uh-huh. make coats of skins? God said, I'm going to make you coats for skin. Do you remember what God said? God said, if you eat of this tree, what's going to happen? You will die. In the Hebrew, it says you will die, die. Right? You know how people today say, I'm for real, for real. Right? That's added emphasis. That's not new. There's nothing new under the sun. You big mad. You mad mad. That's not new. They were doing it in Hebrew already. It literally says, God literally says, you will die, die. And what that means when they look and you see that in the original language, it means you are for real going to die. But what happens is God makes what? Read that again. God makes coats of skins. He makes coats of skins. And clothes them. And clothe them. Think about this for a second. Can you just walk outside and find coats of skin outside? What what has to happen in order for you to have coats of skin? Skin from an animal. The animal had to die. Something had to pay for the sin of Adam and Eve. And this innocent animal, going about his day, had to pay the cost for what they did. But God said... I'm not going to let these ignorant folks here walk around with leaves on their bodies. I'm not going to just send them out like that. God said, I'm going to cover their shame. You see, because of what they did, they felt shame. Y'all see that? And I want to tell you this. When it comes to sin, sin will eventually cause you to feel shame. You feel happiness in the moment when you're taking a drink. You feel happiness in the moment when you lay down with him or her. You feel happiness in the moment when you lie to your parents about the report card that came out that you hid in your closet. But I want you to know that eventually shame is going to come. But God said, even though they did wrong, I'm going to provide something to cover their shame. Because in the relationship with God, for us to be in this close relationship with God, we can't have shame. So God is going to get busy with giving us something that takes away the shame of sin. We all know that we are responsible for the death of Jesus. God gives us something to take away the shame. Right? We see he makes these coverings of skin for them. Uh, in verse 24, he sends them away. Now, when he drives them out, he drives them out of the garden. He sends them out. And he puts something there to guard the way to the tree of life. Right? 
God says, I don't want you to get close to living in the state that you are currently in because it's not a good thing. I want someone to next. Brother Rowe, you, you've been reading really well here. Read uh, Psalm 51, verse number four. This is David's response after he did what he did with Bathsheba. This is David's response. Against thee, David has just gone to another person's house, or had someone send Bathsheba, who is another man's husband, over to his house, wife. And he had relations with Bathsheba, had the husband killed. This is what David did. The same David that slew Goliath. This is what David did. He took somebody's wife and then killed the husband. And this is his response here. Look at what he says in Psalm 51, verse number four. Against thee. He says, against you. Thee only. And you alone. Have I sinned. Uh Uh-huh. And done this evil Uh in thy sight. Uh Uh-huh. That thou mightest be justified Uh when thou speakest. And be clear when thou judges. This is what he's saying. He said, God, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't so much. I sinned against Bathsheba and I sinned against her husband. He's saying, God, I really sinned against you. Anytime you engage in sinful actions, please know that it's not just a thing that you and that sin are engaged in. Please know that you're sinning against God. You're sinning against God. And we know, take this down to Romans 6.23. You can mark that down next to that verse. Romans 6.23. And I need someone else to get Proverbs 14.12. What does Romans 6.23 say? See, we got we got to practice the page turning time time. Romans six twenty three. But now, but now, being made free from sin, uh-huh. and become servants to God, uh-huh. you have your fruit unto holiness. That's Romans six twenty three. For the wages of sin, there we go. For the wages of sin is death. Is death. But the gift of God. Pause right there. Pause right there. I need you to know that when you go to work for the adversary. Your paycheck is death. Does that make sense? That's lower than minimum wage. The wages of sin is death, but but the gift of God, but the gift of God is eternal life. Is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Lord. you to know that when you go to work for the adversary, the, the paycheck is death. But when you work for God, it is eternal life. That's your paycheck. It's eternal life. It can only happen through Jesus. People may want to tell you that it happens through Allah, the God that would be the God of Islam. It can't. This is not an oppressor's religion. Christianity was not born in America. It was not born in Europe. Proverbs 14, 12, what does it say? There is a way which seemeth right unto a man. Listen to the wisdom spoken here. There is a way that seems what? Right. There's a way that seems right. Unto a man. To a man. There are things that you think are right, but they are dead wrong. 
I know that. I've lived that. I've done things with my mind. I thought, it's okay for me to do this. God knows my what? God knows my, y'all know what y'all be saying to. God knows my heart. Come on now. We, we lying to ourselves. God knows my heart. Yes, he does. He knows you're lying to yourself right now. We'll tell ourselves those things. Say, God knows my heart and go do the very thing we know we're not supposed to do. There are th There's a way that seems right to a man or a person, but what? But the end thereof are the ways of death. But the end is death. Our sin is in direct opposition to who God is. And I want to let you know, God can't be anything other than who he is. Right? He is holy. He is righteous. If somebody does something wrong, listen. Let me let me show, let me let me give you this example. A lot of us, when we had the paper bulletins, we would read them in here, and then we drop them in the parking lot outside. Now that's called littering. God is so holy and righteous that any wrongdoing, He's going to act on it, and so. This is what God does in the garden. Instead of killing them on the spot, he says, I'm going to send them out of the garden, out of my presence. I'm going to give them some time. I'm not going to kill them. They're not going to die, die right now. They're going to die, die later because of what they did. They're not going to die, die right now. But I'm going to give them some time. I'm going to give them some space away from me to see if they can get this thing right. They didn't get it right. Right. Sin corrupts our relationship with God. It moves us further away from God. We can't be in relationship with God if we have sin. If sin is in our lives, if we don't, because we don't have an answer for it, God had to send them out away from Him. Adam and Eve, they continue to live on. They have children. Their children kill each other. And then they get even more corrupt. And the world is so corrupt that God says, you know what? I'm sorry that I even made humanity. Sin just continually gets worse and worse and worse. That's the problem of sin. It takes valuable, loved human beings and it makes it to where it's impossible to be in relationship. With God. That's what sin does. That's the problem of sin. I'm not going to go further today. Next week we're going to talk about the key. So you may be asking yourselves if you're watching or you're sitting in the audience. Did the serpent lie when he says you shall not surely die? Did he die when he said that you shall not surely die? He lied, yes. Because a life without God is not truly living. You may be able to breathe and have blood pumping through your veins, but if you have that without God, that's not truly living. It's not. Please join us next week as we take a look into our next lesson, which is faith is the key. You see how sin brings doubt into the relationship and moves us further and further away from God? Faith 
helps to reestablish the relationship. Now, I want you to hear this. Uh, with this problem of sin, God also gives an answer. And the answer is Jesus Christ. I want you to know and understand that Jesus Christ is real. Jesus Christ is not the hippie white guy with the, the long hair that you see from the 4th century pictures. Right? Because these are the lies that people will tell you. Right? They'll tell you that Christianity came from America. Christianity was created to control people. Christianity is a thing that holds women back. It's not. Christianity is created in love. Middle East somewhere, right? Not somewhere, we know where it was. But Christianity began with faith and ended in love. Do you believe that Jesus Christ came down to this earth to die for your sins? God is not concerned with your social status, God is not concerned with your race. God is not concerned with your gender, both of them. God is not concerned with any of those things. What he's concerned with is saving the soul of the person sitting here, listening at home. Do you believe that? Are you ready to change your life? Are you ready to pledge your allegiance to Jesus Christ? If so, you can be baptized today. Today. We have an answer for the problem of sin. It's Jesus Christ. We meet the blood of Jesus Christ in the watery graves of baptism. No person can tell you your sins are washed away. We have to come to Jesus. We access Jesus through the blood. And God begins, God begins to live in us. Walking with us. As he did in the garden. Y'all see how we're getting back to that original way of life? Until one day we will be in close, 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 close relationship with God for an eternity. Just as it was always meant to be. If you would like to do so, if you need prayers on today, please come as we sing the song of invitation. Oh, Lord, and oh, Lord, and oh, Lord, you restore. Sing it again, sing, oh, Lord. We are the family of God, striving to be with We are people of more. Ready to receive our King, let's sing, oh, oh, yeah. oh Christ our Lord, we are people of more, oh, oh, yeah. oh, we are people of more, we will breathe a lot more, oh, it's so stronger than we did before, we believe a lot more, the Son of God we adore, Oh, yeah. oh, we are people of more. Tell them we are people of more. Say, oh, oh, yeah. oh, we are people of more. Tell them we gonna learn more. Learn 
girl that we did before Love more, it's time to hide we Oh, 